This podcast is sponsored by Regatta Outdoors. It's a glorious spring day and you're heading out on a walk. What do you bring with you? A paper map? Plenty of snacks? Well, of course they're important, but any seasoned hiker will tell you that footwear is the first thing to consider. Whether you prefer relaxed rambles or challenging summits, comfortable and reliable shoes are essential. Regatta has waterproof and breathable footwear for the whole family, for every outdoor occasion. Discover the range in stores nationwide and at regatta.com. Hello, you're listening to The Podcast, the nature and countryside podcast from BBC Country Farm magazine. My name's Fergus Collins and I'm your host. And in this episode, I'm back at the Nep Wildlands in Sussex. Now, you might remember in last week's episode, I ventured out onto a magical nightingale survey through this strange and wild landscape. This week, I'm meeting one of the masterminds behind this astonishing rewilding project, Isabella Tree who with her husband Charlie Burrell turned that what was once a dairy farm into this wild haven. Later, join me and the team where we talk about spring in the countryside, share our own encounters with nature and catch up on your emails. And please do get in touch. My email is editor at countryfile.com and our favourite email of the week will receive a book from the revered podcast library. I'm in a campsite and it's dusk, but it's not any old campsite. It's the campsite at Nep Wildlands, in the, deep in the Sussex countryside. A place of magic and enchantment where this once dairy farm has been allowed to, well, nature has been allowed to rewild this place with amazing results. So it's a cool evening and the birds are settling down. It's a huge field actually, the campsite, and there are sporadic tents. I've camped right in the middle actually, so I might get a bit of a breeze at night. It's chilly. I'm hoping that all my snug thermals will keep me safe through the night, but I probably won't be sleeping that much because I'm expecting a bit of action on the nightingale front. Apparently you can hear them from the campsite, but it may be still a bit early for them. So what I'm doing now is just having I'm cooking on my little stove watching a sky of wispy clouds, almost like smoke, great charcoal strokes across the sky. But once I've had my supper, I'll take the torch, take the recorder and head out for a little stroll and see what might turn up. A night walk with nightingales, let's hope. So I've left my tent and I'm just having a little walk under the stars. It's not quite dark, it's about nine o'clock. And I've just come out of the campsite to walk along a little track. Venus, I think that is the first, the even star. Bright, well, not a star is it, it's a planet. And the moon is very bright tonight. I don't know if that's good for nightingales or not. All the other birds have quietened down now. There's some, there's some deer ahead. Just hear them. Free roaming deer, fallow deer. I can see in the glooming. Is anything going to spark up? So, no nightingales yet, but I've found. 
this is now probably a tornado. It's making funny little squeaks in the trees. So I think I'm pinning a lot of my nightingale hopes on our morning venture. Uh, that should be interesting. Six o'clock tomorrow. It's about half past ten, quarter to eleven now, so I need to get a bit of sleep. For now, I'm going to tuck down. I've got a hot water bottle. And I'm just going to await the dawn chorus. Apparently it's very special here. So over and out for now. So I've woken up to the most gloriously intense dawn chorus here at Nip. And uh, the sun is just coming up, dawn is breaking at 5.30 in the morning. I had quite a good night. Thermals and uh, little hood, two sleeping bags really helps. There's a chorus here of robins, song thrushes, blackbirds, chiff chaff, a few great tits. There was a cuckoo earlier. And I'm off now to meet, uh, to meet Penny, a nightingale ecologist. And we're going to hopefully go and find some more nightingales after briefly. So that's definitely morning. We've woken up, gathered in a little car park, uh, which I've just walked up to, and I've met Penny. In fact, I'm going to be sent off with someone called Ivan uh, to a more interesting area. So let's see, hopefully we'll... Uh, the sun is blazing in the, on the horizon. There's about 25 people here. And uh, I think we're going to get an introduction to what we're up to today. It was just a bit of a gathering of people. We're being given clipboards and going to do some sort of transects of net, looking for um, looking for all sorts of bird species and recording them. There's a yellowhammer in the distance and some scrub here. Little wheeze at the end. Might do it again. There it goes. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning everyone, thank you so much for getting up early this morning. I know it's always a bit of a struggle, but it's worth it once you're out. It's been a lovely sunrise, and hopefully we're going to hear some nightingales this morning. So, um, what we're going to do is, um, we've all got different areas, and we're going to go out to our different areas in a moment, and we're going to walk around sort of any suitable habitat, have a nice little amble around, and listen out for any nightingales on the way. Otherwise, I think just go and have a really lovely time. Okay. And you get lots of nice and go records. Okay? Yeah. Brilliant. Do you have a conservation Yeah, I've been working in conservation for my whole career. And I've been working at NEP for the last four of those. Ah, gotcha. So I do know 
this part of the country pretty well. Yeah, should should be able to find some nightingales. That would be amazing. Um, that's my yeah. Um, because our listeners know that I keep missing nightingales, and I've tried lots of different locations. Really? Well, I mean, uh, and they've made great adventures, but um, I last hate. Night I heard one. And it, oh, great. Yeah, from the camp because I was camping. That's what they say. I was going to say, I hate to make any guarantees, but <laughs> yeah, I no do wisdom. feel like if you're going to get a nightingale anywhere, yeah. this is the place. Yeah, definitely. Ivan, how many, how many nightingales are likely to be nesting well, at I, these days? I can't remember the figures in the last two or three years, but, but anywhere between 25 and 40 singing males. Wow, I think me. 40 might be our highest year in the southern block, which is where we're out walking today, which is the kind of wildest, mm-hmm. woolliest wildland of the whole estate. There were probably, I think, around 30, 35 last year, and then a few others elsewhere on the estate. Um, but it's the scrub that they adore and that they need. We have that in abundance in the southern block here. Uh, because of all of these ex-arable fields that were allowed to regenerate with vegetation um, creating this really dynamic scrubland habitat um, now kept at bay by the big herbivores so when, when you say scrub for those mm-hmm. people who sort of think scrub is like something to be scrubbed out yeah. <laughs> um, what um, how would you describe it? What's, uh, uh, scrub is... I know we'll see it very shortly. Scrub yeah. is magic. We adore it here. And I've supercharged nature. And it's really all of the woody shrubs and plants that are a bit of a nuisance to a farmer or a gardener. So your hedgerow <laughs> species, your blackthorn and your hawthorn, when it's in a nice little row, people call it a hedgerow and it's rather nice. Everyone, it's an acceptable <laughs> form. Of um, but when it explodes into growing all across everywhere, yeah. um, it becomes thorny and difficult to manage. But it's not just the thorny scrub here. We also have kind of leafy scrub, willow and alder, and naturally regenerating broadleaf trees like oak and ash. and so. When we use the word scrub, really, we mean natural regeneration of woody plants, of trees, um, but in all their shapes and sizes, so they could only be a knee knee in height, um, but half a metre or a metre wide, because of the way the animals have browsed them. So it's this kind of dynamic relationship between the browsing animals and these thorny plants that then create nesting habitat and nectar sources and a million different um, services for the rest of the system. I don't know if you spotted yesterday when you were here, but there's a white stork nest above us. Oh, okay. No, I, I, did, I didn't spot that enormous nest <laughs> in a very obvious place. Um, I know we're on the hunt for nightingales. But white storks would be good, because that would be a new species for us as well. Yeah, I mean, there is one. There is one, my goodness. <laughs> you bring delivers? This is... Uh, Yes. Oh my goodness. No, I haven't seen that since I was in Normandy. Well, like, um, these, are, these are the first free-flying white storks to breed in the UK. Oh my goodness. Potentially um, since the Battle of Agincourt, which 
you'll be able to tell me is 1416, 1415? 1415, yeah. Yeah, there was a there was a record of them breeding in St. Giles' Cathedral in Edinburgh, and that's the last record we have. Really? Um, and whilst all the excitement at NEP tends to be around naturally occurring, naturally returning species like the turtle doves and the nightingales and the purple emperors, we have a place for reintroductions. And our two big superstars are the beaver and the white storks. What well, kind a of huge bird? I mean, is it literally sort of I don't need binoculars to identify yeah, that. Exactly. It's two fields away. <laughs> well, I say fields. There's yeah. not fields here anymore, are there? It's just, I saw them. Yeah, exactly. Um, them. So That's here we scrub? are. This is scrubland. This is like, almost like little humps of. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So you have the regenerating. Thorny scrub is the bait, this is the starting point, so the bramble comes in and then you have the hawthorn and the blackthorn and that creates this low mantle and that's what the nightingale loves actually, because they only nest a few inches off the ground. They love that low layer of really impenetrable deep scrub. Uh, now there is, a, there is a territory up here on our right hand side it's not in our zone is it? but um, if, if we get a little bit of a song on the way past yeah. it'd be difficult not to stop and listen a bit of a bonus yeah <laughs> um so this sort of scrub is quite a rare habitat then yeah. in britain is that shouldn't be remarkably it shouldn't be yeah. um it used to be pretty common because the marginal bits of farmland would often scrub up and you know there would be turtle doves and nightingales in corners of fields but over the last 70 odd years as machinery has improved and the intensification of farming which has been incentivized by our insatiable hunger for cheap food yes. um, has meant that Everything has just got a lot more tidy and there's just been less and less spaces for messy bits around the edges. So when I first came and worked here uh, in 2015 was that I spent the summer here working on the farm. Um, I remember hearing Turtle Dove and Nightingale really for the first conscious time in my life, age 25 and thinking this is a the sound of my childhood that never yeah, <laughs> that I never had been deprived of yeah uh, and uh, I realized how privileged I was then and still am to be able to hear it now given the chance that are, there is a ah, nightingale in there uh, chop, chop 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 we'll they, keep moving we yeah, will get a lot closer yeah. hopefully how long do they so they arrive sort of mid april is that fair yeah they started arriving yeah, probably around the 12th, 13th, 14th, I think. And they are really trying to establish their territories and attract females. Although they sing all night, which is the most kind of wonderful time to hear them because they sing in isolation. And they do quieten down in the middle of the day. Well, as you can see right now, it's light and we will hear them. And they do sing a lot. I like and your confidence. confidence. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. You will. <laughs> you will. <laughs> Well, I hope so. <laughs> Gosh. In fact, there's a. This is, this is a lesser white throat here. I think it? I was about to say that could be a lesser white throat. Should we mark it down there? 
There you go, one of the target birds. <laughs> so you're in the wrong territory. In Fresco West, here. I was thinking about what you were saying about like, the scrub and yeah. the mess, and I was like, should we use different words? I'm wondering, because maybe saying things are messy is the wrong yeah. way to describe it. Because yeah. actually, well, not that I, but I, I wonder if it has negative connotations. It's a pejorative term, isn't it? Yeah, you're like really messy. Got to be tidy. To be honest, it, which I actually hate. So. Uh, oh. She's got piglets. Can you see her? Oh yes, it's a it's a sow. So just stop by a little woodland here. Oh, she hasn't got piglets yet. She's she will be giving birth any day now. Um, she's just a thank you. Wild boar she's proxies. She's very, very pregnant. She's huge. I won't tell her that. Primeval <laughs> looking pigs. Yeah, they're amazing. They're Tamworth pigs. Yeah. And they are a sort of orangey, gingery coat. Incredibly important to our system here. Because, like, like the beavers, they're ecosystem engineers. The way that they root or forage, turning over the soil, creates all the right conditions for the regeneration of everything. Um, everything that isn't grass, really. It opens the soil so that when a willow seed or a, um, a little blackbird lands there and oh poos out some blackberry, um, it will start regenerating. And it just creates that open seed bed. Uh, so we are approaching our zone. Okay, finally. <laughs> Um, the very it's bottom, midday. <laughs> the bottom southeast corner of quite a big area, and we're first going to go up to an old area called Bullfield, where we have a territory of a nightingale pretty much every year, and just have a listen and see if he's there. So, Alice, what do you do? So, I am an actor and a writer. Um, only recently a playwright, but. Um, during COVID, I went back to Trinity College Dublin, which is where Ivan and I met, and did my master's in playwriting. And I've written a play called Rewilding. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> which, um, which takes all this stuff that we're talking about and applies it to, to human relationships. So the idea that we're all bent out of shape somehow mm. by our life experience or various things that take us out of connection to who, who we truly are. And then the play rewilds these strange women over the course of the play. They become much more in touch with who they truly are and their powers of self-renewal. And, yeah, they become fierce and wild again. Inspired by this place. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it was only just kind of thinking about all those things. And I was like, gosh, that disconnect with the land and nature definitely feeds into our own selves and our own growth. And I suddenly think, oh, there's a play in that. Um, so has it been performed? Is it, it, uh, well, hopefully this year. Oh, amazing! Yeah, gosh. so it's yeah, it's exciting. Oh God! Well, congratulations! Thank you. It'll be the first time I'm not in something as well. So. <laughs> yeah. A rabbit just yeah. bounded across <laughs> our path. I was amazed last night how tame the rabbits were around the uh, around the campsite. Just ridiculous. What were they doing? Just sitting around watching me eat my pasta. <laughs> <laughs> Probably yeah. hoping for a yeah. bit of tag and It's just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> a rabbitiata. Oh, no, no, yeah, a rabbitiata. Oh, my yeah. favourite. <laughs> right. Oh, I just got it. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so slow. <laughs> 
That's nicely done. Yeah, that's the, the kind of high piping refrain at the end of when it's singing, and I don't know if the microphone would have picked it up, but there was a little gurgling blip at the end. We'll go a bit closer and see if we yeah, can. Yeah, okay. Fantastic. This is exciting. strident calls of the nightingale. I like through it there. high pitch it's got so much range and so much variability which is why one of the reasons it's so loved you never know what you're going to get yeah sound of the motorbike in the A24, although not good for the audio, is a good indication of where we are, yes. south of London. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're in a pretty, pretty urbanised part of the country. So if you can do it here, you can do it anywhere. Exactly, that's, that's what... Sorry, stopped dead in my tracks because I thought I heard a... What is Very good. Yeah. That's so exciting. Yeah, it's so, it's it's a, by nightingales. Yeah, it's that end of their call that you can pick up from further away yeah. and zero in a bit. Exactly, yeah. 
just say that there couldn't be a more perfect morning to be out here. Sun, warm sun coming up. We're heading towards another nightingale. Through a thicket, a thicket of low-growing woody scrub. It's a habitat that I'm just so rarely in. This is really dense. That's dense willow, yeah. Still scrub, but a yeah. different type. Proper trees in there. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, exactly. And this is purple emperor. This is purple emperor um, egg laying habitat. So. Right. so they like willow, is that the thing? That's the critical thing with, with purple emperors. For so long we thought that they were oak woodland specialists, because you always see them in and above oak trees has this amazing territory for, for fighting other males and for attracting females. And they feed on the sap on the oak trees as adults, as butterflies. But what the Victorians, who were the first ones to look at them really, what everyone missed is how they lay their eggs on, on willow, on sallow leaves. Oh my goodness, okay, so they've just... And so the Casper needs to eat sallow when it's born. And so it's all great, all well and good having a wonderful oak woodland. But if you don't have willow in the landscape, you don't have purple emperor. And it's one of the kind of internet has the biggest population in the country, as far as I'm aware. And that's not because of the wonderful oak trees that we're lucky to have here, it's because of the willow. The willow is the food plant, mm, right? Mm. Oh, interesting. And again, that's the strong relationship between the pig, the way it rootles. It's cooking. out of the cage. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Hello. Not get many of them on the podcast. What do the cuckoos parasitise here then? Dunnocks we think. Ah. We think. Um, Greenwood pecker. Another less um, less white through it. Thought I heard. Yeah, yeah, that is just up here. Yeah. That's getting better. Sort of rapid, there's less of white through it. Let's keep going. Cool. Step on it a little bit. Okay. Oh, very good. That's good, I like that. Here we go.
stand here listening to this song. Unlike anything else you'll hear in the British countryside. big herbivores that were brought in were the, the ponies, so Exmoor ponies, red deer, fallow deer, old English longhorn cattle who play the kind of proxy role of the extinct cattle from Europe, the aura, and the Tamworth pig who plays the role of the, the wild boar. And so yeah, they're the kind of big heavy hitters. And then we have roe deer and rabbits as an additional couple of grazing yeah. experts. Um, but they're just they're just in kind of wild numbers. But we, we have to cull because we don't have any predators Nothing here. to eat the deer, yeah. I was going to ask, um, obviously, we've done lots on deer and the problems they cause. Mm. Just destroying all the undergrowth and... Is that... Um, but they've been introduced here. So they yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, so often about balance and for us about natural processes. So the problem with deer in the wider countryside is because we have only such tiny pockets of woodland um, and, no predators. and no predators to move the animals around in a natural way, no big predators, no apex predators, it means that they quickly overpopulate and where they tend to go to is the woodland for cover and they browse it out and then they go crop raiding and destroying arable farms in in the night time. So yeah, they are, they are certainly a problem in the wrong place and in the wrong system. But here, where there is so much for them to eat and we have so much natural regeneration, we have so much foliage, so much for them to do, we need them here, otherwise this will succeed very quickly to being closed canopy woodland. And although woodland is great, we want this to be semi-open wood pasture. So we need trees, grassland, we need a habitat mosaic. We're all about multiple habitats in the same place rather than woodland over there, grassland over there. You know, everything in its, in its place organized. We want this to be everything all at once. And the way you can keep it open and the way you can keep that dynamic is by having these big herbivores driving the system. So they are critical and the red deer they browse fallow they graze cattle or ancient breeds do both so they eat both grass herbs leaves everything ponies eat differently again the pigs eat differently again so every herbivore here plays a different role in shaping this landscape just up here another another nightingale She's going to get very clay soil, so it's thick and sucks your feet down. It's a whole tangle of bramble and blackthorn and willow. Totally impenetrable apart from the deer tracks. Yeah. Okay, so the deer allow you in here because yeah, they're, they're, without them, there's no hope. 
because they're the ones who make our routine. Impenetrable thickets, but that's what nightingales and other birds like. Somewhere dense. Oh, here we go. Bye, Nightingale. We've arrived back at uh, HQ. <laughs> Thank you, Ivan and Alice. That was just utterly magical. Pleasure for Pleasure us. That's well. well. Yeah, yeah oh. we did at least six Nightingales in the end. Yes, I No, NEP delivered. <laughs> yeah, well. It's very difficult not to find one if you go for a walk here at the right time. I defy anyone not to be inspired and kind of moved to want more of this in, in around Britain if you come here. It's, but uh, yeah, thank you. Well, thank, thank you. you. So much. Co coffee and pastries. Yeah, that's that sounds it. great. please. <laughs> eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save 40% site-wide. 40% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. With milder weather and longer days on the way, now is the time to dust off your hiking boots and enjoy the great British countryside. 
And wherever you go, whatever the terrain, Regatta Great Outdoors has the right footwear for any adventure. From grassy hills to rocky trails and even paved footpaths, there's a regatta shoe to suit your walking preferences. Discover lightweight trainers for day-to-day wear or walking shoes for multi-day hikes, like the brand new Samaras 3. Combining comfort with performance, the Samaras 3 is available as a shoe and boot for both men and women and is ideal for all your hiking pursuits. Tech Foam InSock technology supports your foot, while an EVA midsole and shock-absorbing heel protects you from bumps along the way. Plus, it's waterproof and breathable, so your feet stay dry no matter the weather. Available to shop in stores nationwide and at regatta.com. Well, we did have lovely pastries. In fact, I had a delicious pan of chocolat and coffee, and it was the most rewarding coffee after that. Just fantastic morning. A huge, huge thank you there to Ivan and Alice, who took me round the, the scrublands and just, oh, their knowledge and their passion for the birds and the, and the landscape. I was left with this huge sense of something important is happening at NEP and it could have great, great significance for the rest of the country just to bring wildlife back on that scale. I felt elated and a little bit later that morning, I met Isabella Tree, who is with her husband, Charlie Burrell, the owners of NEP and the mastermind behind this rewilding project. And so next week's episode will be a chat with Isabella and find out a little bit more about their incredible story. We're talking about incredible stories. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here with two of my fellow storytellers, Hannah and Jack, who helped me make the blogcast. How lovely to see you. Hello. Hello. I'm glad to have... Well, I wish wish you guys had been able to come to NEP. Um, next year, can we please go? Definitely. Would you be interested in, in getting up early and listening to Nightingales? Definitely. Yeah, good. Good. Well, it may involve camping. <laughs> <laughs> as long as I don't have to share a tent with you, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd love to show you around because I think that incredible sense of just being surrounded by nature and the, the sound of the dawn chorus, the sound of those nightingales, maybe go a week later and could hear the turtle doves as well. We're sort of going back to what we were talking about with Margaret last week, that kind of retreat. You're kind of cutting yourself off completely from the modern world and immersing yourself in the nature that's there. So it would totally. be the perfect way to see it. Totally. I think it's it's good for I mean I felt, you know, we're so busy at work at the moment in our in our in our day jobs beyond podcasting. And I felt this great weight lift off me. And maybe I'm over-egging it, but there's something about being completely immersed in a beautiful landscape. As you say, it's like a, like a retreat. Have you been to any, what, have you been to anywhere that is so wild and wonderful that you felt uplifted? A couple of years ago, I went to uh, Stackpole in Pembrokeshire with my parents and we did a particular walk across kind of the tops of the cliffs and it was all skylarks and sunshine and that was a particular kind of, I really felt myself removed from everything else. It was like the sky was so massive, the sea was so big, everything was just full from horizon to horizon. It was just that's lovely. the world. Yeah. yeah, no, I love that. I think that's the sort of thing, hopefully we can convey this. Anna's arms are spread out yeah. encapsulating. <laughs> this is some wonderful gestures of embracing the, the natural the Italian world. in me. <laughs> Um, Jack, uh, when you're camping with the with the youngins, I think you get it camping. I it's, I always say on a camp, I just love that first thing in the morning mm. that you get up. Normally, it's because it's got too hot in the tent or whatever, and there's light. But uh, you get up, it's just 
and you whisper because you you don't want to speak yeah, because it's so it's too peaceful. I think that that's one of mine, and I think mountain top. I don't think arguably some mountain tops you got the litter issue and stuff like that, but being somewhere like that, so far away from everything because you are up the top of a mountain, <laughs> you can see for miles. Normally, you can't really contact anyone because there's no connection. But uh, just being that far away, that high up, being able to just view where you are mm. for miles. And a lot of the time, the, the area is sort of undisturbed by buildings and stuff like that, which is kind of feels like quite a special thing to see. Jack, you've got a faraway gleam in your eye. Aww. It's really sweet. We're at Swapped Well. We're, we're, off to, we're off for a little adventure this afternoon. Well, hopefully, we'll find some of that magic then because that's we're recording our 200th episode Whoop. unbelievably the 200th episode of the podcast hooray for, <laughs> for you well, well done no, well done all of us and thank you for listening all this time now we always have a little sightings and happenings it's what we've seen out in the wild or curious things i'm going to start well who would like to start have you had any adventures you would like to start yeah <laughs> I what me <laughs> me with my reputation um i've had I've, okay i've had good and bad okay i think well i've had two really long uh otter encounters which was how long were the otters uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely giant river otters yeah uh yeah two two long encounters with otters is that better um thank you uh, which is great on the us which is which is great to see them fishing away what time of day what were they doing mid-afternoon well one was mid-morning one was mid-afternoon and they were just one otter on his own or her own in the in the flow just dipping under catching little fish and coming back up and scoffing them That's and gorgeous. it was heavenly brilliant so that was really magical so well on that same trip before i saw the second otter i was walking along a little stream uh quite deep sort of two or three feet so not crossable but i heard from a field ahead a scream and i ran on ahead and across the stream but in a field was a woman being chased by a cow oh god and the cow was charging at her and she had dogs off lead <sighs> So I dashed around, crossed a bridge, and by that time the cow had gone, but I really thought it was going to hit her. Yeah, Somehow awful. her scream kept it, and her dogs kept it at bay, but it was um, not not pleasant, and we, I didn't have... She was so shocked, I didn't give her the whole dogs off lead mm. in cow field. Is she okay? She's fine, she's okay, but very shocked. So that was a bit scary, and I think it's one of those things around livestock this time of year. Lots of cows have just had their calves, and it really is so essential not to um, not to walk with your dogs off leads in cow fields and take you know take, do a big curve around because I'm not scared of walking through cow fields, but when I have the dog at this time of year, I really, really just I'm super cautious. Yeah. It was a really frightening encounter. One of those things that shakes you up a bit. Uh, yeah, I'm so because, glad she uh, was okay. Yeah, she was she was okay, she, but it was a narrow it was a yeah. near near miss. So um, yeah, I don't you know what I would have had to do. I don't know. That's sort of. Uh, but let's count our blessings and count her blessings. So on that slightly sombre note, can you lift the tone? Uh, well, I've been walking home the last couple of days and there's been this tremendous squawking noise each time I pass a particular corner and I had a sense that there was something going on in there. And this morning as I was leaving, I saw the culprit. Ah. There is a nest of starlings oh excellent in my building it's so lovely oh brilliant yeah, yeah nice 
Little not common birds these days. No, yeah. So what are, what are they nesting in? Uh, it seems to be like the gap between the kind of end of the wall and the fascia, like really, 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 really high up. It must be like 10 foot or something. Yeah. And they've sneaked nice in there and yeah. having a... Super tiny little hole. But then I could see their faces peeking out. Yeah. Squawking. Excellent. It's adorable. That's great. Nature. Nice one. Starting nest. Jack, any adventures in... I a lot. Yeah? But a lot in the last week. Wow. I've got three biggies for you. Oh, excellent. Ooh. I went to an arboretum. Nice. Which was lovely. It's for my nan's 80th birthday. Ah. Oh. A uh, lot of bluebells still yes. out everywhere. And it was just lovely that it's sort of everything's starting to like kick yeah. off now. So it was a really lovely time to be there. And there's a lot of, I noticed a lot of bugs and stuff, a lot of uh, little beetles and stuff like that just popping up, which was nice to see. The temperature's rising. Mm. Um, so that was lovely. My second story is I think there's some foxes. A den? There's yeah. A fox den. I think there's one of them near me because the last couple of evenings, sort of getting dusky, I've seen two little baby Gosh. foxes whizzing around the place. So they must be must be close. Lovely. And then, uh, yeah, uh, last night, in fact, I saw a slightly bigger fox, which I can only assume is one of the parents, uh, pottering about as well. So that's Have quite we exciting. Have seen the rabbit recently? <sighs> Moving on. But, <laughs> uh, I shouldn't laugh, sorry. <laughs> and then... I mean, this is a nice sort of segue into stay tuned. I had a little trip out with you. We did. For a future episode. That was exciting. Very exciting. Went to the, I mean, don't want to spoil it all. Uh, Went to who we saw. Uh, Went to the Hawk Conservancy Trust. That's right. In in Wiltshire. And uh, yeah, that was exciting. We saw the most exotic birds of prey. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of them as well. Very, very surprised. Intense numbers of birds of prey. Although... My heart's still with Sage, the little owl. Oh, yes. Aww. Jack fell in love with an owl. I can believe uh, that. Purely because he was the only one that made any noise. Well, I, think, <laughs> I think the owl fell in love with you, actually. That was, uh, <laughs> he was very, very difficult. Very difficult to the see. fluffy microphone, I think, oh. maybe attracted him. But, uh, yeah. I mean, you'll hear, hear from him soon. I'm so excited. In a couple of episodes' time. Yeah. I'm sorry you weren't there, Hannah. Same. But, but it's but, all right. I'm glad you had a nice time. We did. We did. Pause one second. <laughs> Because this is a... Where are you going? I'll be back. For listeners, Fergus has left the studio. <laughs> Fergus is back in the studio. Yeah. But you were with us in spirit, and we thought of you. Thank you. And we thought of owls. Uh-huh. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh! And we found you a little owl. so cute! Thank you so much. Well, we missed you. So um, oh. there's a little owl, and you can. So we had we had a great time, and we'll look out for that episode in a couple of couple of weeks' time. A special guest, yeah. We'd love to hear what you've been up to in the countryside, and if you've recorded any sounds, please do send any emails and thoughts to us. My email address is editor at countryfile.com. Well, we've had a lovely card in this week from regular listener Sean McGill, and it's a thank you card because Sean was our sound of the week uh, a couple of weeks back. And it's just a beautiful card. It deserves description. It's this lovely grey heron, hand-drawn, beautiful thing. And gosh, we were very pleased to get that. And it's on the wall in the podcast studio. Thank you, Sean. So a huge thank you again to the Nepa State for inviting me down and to the Nightingales and to all of the people working there, especially Penny, Ivan and Alice, and I hope to return one day. Thank you, Jack and Hannah, for joining me in the studio. 
And thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week with a bit more net. Bye-bye now. Whether it's gloriously sunny or a spring downpour, you can always get outdoors with regatta. So what are you waiting for? Find a route, grab your walking shoes and start exploring. Regatta Great Outdoors offers all types of performance footwear, from technical hiking boots for regular ramblers to durable walking shoes for the whole family. With waterproof and breathable qualities, shock-absorbing comfort and superior grip, regatta footwear is designed to withstand whatever challenges Mother Nature throws your way. Discover the range in stores nationwide and at regatta.com.